Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience for physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the J3U Podcast. I'm your host, John Jewett, with me, co-host, Luke Miller. And today, we're going to touch on what are the high-risk models that you've run for PEDs? And this is going to be specific just for pros. So what have we seen that's been just outrageous that pros have done? And I, and I see these off of my Instagram, just to people to DM me what they've been given. And this isn't necessarily cycles that they actually end up running because some of them were pretty outrageous, but these are still like from r- reasonably well-known coaches that's been given out. And uh, it, it's something that to see like just what's out there. And that's the point of this is not to just, you know, throw anyone under the bus or, um, you know, but to just make awareness of what is out there and what, what are ways that we can mitigate risk and alter cycle design? And what does the real high risk model look like once you've reached to the higher end of your potential? And that doesn't mean you necessarily need to be a pro because you're going to have a pro that is genetically phenomenal and probably has never even had a touch the highest level of PDs that someone that maybe isn't, doesn't have all the genetics put together that, that might. So you might have someone on the same PED model with far less development while someone that has like far more development will have uh, far less PDs. So it's, it's purely often of a needs basis, but this is to say like, what does that look like that cycle once you're reaching there? And, and when is probably the real cutoff for when you should make the call of pursuing this out. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of education too around, you know, what are the limits of certain compounds within these high-risk models too, right? Because we talk about places that we're willing to run compounds within just like the generalities, especially within like the PED module of J3U. But like we we need to understand that some of the, the higher risk models may have different limits or they may not. And like, where are those limits? And what does that look like? And is it, are any of these acceptable in any nature? And if not, why? So that you guys can make some more educated decisions on, you know, your usage or, or, or kind of weed through bad information that you may have come across in the past. Yeah. I think it's with like one of our last episodes talking about deaths and bodybuilding and looking at that. And this kind of like feeds into that of, if this is, this is like a lot of, I know this is given out as even people's like first, if you come to this coach, this is given out like to everyone. And if that's your plan for the next, you know, six years of bodybuilding, it is highly likely damage will be done. And it wasn't even close to necessary to do that or even, even optimal because you left six years later, probably not being able to bodybuild anymore. And there's absolute cases of this where guys ruin their health and cut their career short and not just for competing, but that's also, it's all really being in your prime to make a business out of bodybuilding. So it's, uh, it's still like, what is the, we've always talked about the stepwise approach, but for that decision of the bodybuilder where you're reaching now to these dosages when it's time it, you know, it's, it's the call you have to make, right? You have to make these calls, Luke, of 
should you keep going? Because <laughs> if you're, if this is what your cycle looks like in your second call out nationals, you've been doing this for a while, you're now inching along in progress. What, what, what happens when you ter- actually maybe turn pro or get in the first call out? And um, is that an endeavor worth continuing? Well, if you want to dive into the first one, we certainly can and just kind of start to, you know, break it down, kind of walk through what may have been different or just like some of the illogical decision makings with this first one that we have. Yeah. And I, I think this is cool to see just some because these aren't even, you know, my clients. They're just uh, people I know off Instagram. But we have a men's physique pro, two classic physique pros and a open bodybuilder pro. So. Mm-hmm across divisions and what's going to be interesting to see is that there there is no like oh the open guy is going to be taking more than the men's physique guy it's like you're, you'll probably be surprised in this um where do you want to start man you want to start men's, men's physique men's physique. Start men's physique and work our way up cool so um cycle layout and sorry guys if you're just listening i hope y'all can follow along because this will be a rattle off of a few compounds but um this was this is per week dosaging, um, a thousand milligrams of test propionate, a thousand milligrams of trend ACE, a thousand milligrams of master on propionate, 700 milligrams of Primo, Primovolin. Um, every day was 50 milligrams of Anabar, 50 milligrams of Winstrol, 80 micrograms of Clenbuterol, 40 micrograms of Halotestin. Uh, that was run for, for like the, for five weeks. Um, Sound wasn't stated whether it was obviously I'm assuming it's contest prep for, for what's in place. Don't know what phase of contest prep, but if it's beyond five weeks out, it's probably not getting any lighter, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we're looking at this is probably close to 5,000 milligrams of total anabolic load um, e- easily. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't math out the everyday dosages for the orals, but I didn't either. Let's see, that would be it'd be a thousand milligrams a week of, of orals. Yeah. yeah. So you're looking at forty seven hundred total. Forty seven hundred migs. Yeah. Jesus. So I think the first thing is like looking at the testos, not only the testos, but the, the ester that's associated with it. Um there is old adage that we should be switching from cypionates and ethates to these faster esters within the test propionate within these contest preps, right? It's like the classic, like at six weeks out, you switch from cypionate to an ethate. And in my opinion, like just on the ester comment, if you have coached someone long enough to understand where their test limits are without an AI, typically you will have enough notification or notice to be able to modulate that down as you go across the contest prep as needed to modulate the look. Now, for a lot of people, um, like if you, for a lot of people that you're prepping that you may not have had them for a long period of time within the all season to do this testing, you can either A, like have that back information that they may have provided you or air a little bit on the lower side and make up the milligram totals with DHT derivatives. But then that brings us to the overall total test dose, which even for a high risk model, in my opinion, is about double where I would ever take someone within a high risk setup. I, I think it's just beyond because 
he didn't list that any aromatase inhibitors or serms being used, which I would, I would just assume they are. Are yeah. There's no way that you're you're managing estrogen without an AI on a thousand migs of test, and that's why you know Luke's saying 500 migs because usually without an AI, we're most people beyond that limit are going to need some type of aromatase control. So we just, that's a stop point. Then we make up the rest of the anabolic load with, with DHT derivatives, or if you're on prep, you know, trainer, there might be an oral in place, but uh, yeah, that the idea of that you're usually switching to a propionate would in this case is kind of the necessary because there's so much testosterone present that you're going to have to taper it down because for one, aldosterone is probably out of control. So you're having, you are going to have more water retention in that. Uh, and then, so you'll have to somehow quickly reduce testosterone at the end. Uh, you, you could have tapered down a testosterone and anthate or cypionate, but e- either way, either way, it's just messy. It, it's a messy cycle designed to manage fluids and also have a mask on of what's true fat loss and what is just, you know, water retention present. Um, so yeah, the testosterone piece, it, it, it is more complicated than it needs to be, but then you're right. The, the total dosage is, is out of control. Um, I don't know anyone that I coach. Um, and I even have some really, really muscular individuals, that have a requirement of five grams of gear to maintain muscle mass in a deficit. And just to remind everybody, like when we're talking about dosage needs from phase to phase that at a maintenance calorie level, that's going to be your baseline needs. Like you're, you'll have the easiest time maintaining muscle. So it's also going to be the low, lowest amount of PDs that are going to meet that requirement. When you move into a deficit, that requirement is going to increase a little bit more because you are going to challenge um, your muscle retention capacity. So the dosages need to go up. What will go even higher is in the off season phase when you're trying to add on new level of muscle tissue. So that's when you're probably going to be reaching your peak dosages is in the off season. Um, people might argue that in, in, in prep, you know, I, I, I could see at the tail end of prep reaching maybe close to your peak off season dosages, but um, for the most part, start a prep, it's going to be just slightly elevated above what that maintenance level would be. So for someone to need five grams to maintain tissue, and we're saying this was, you know, a men's physique competitor. And we don't know, like if this, you know, if this individual, that was like his peak, like mass, like he could not get any bigger and that was what it was taking. But I don't have anyone that would require that load. (laughs) I don't even, I don't even have anyone in the off season that would require that load. Like, and that's the thing, right. Is like, a lot of the problem here is is the overall total deployment, which would would bring, kind of bring us to the trinace, right? Like, even in a high high risk contest prep model, I don't see anything above two hundred absolutely necessary, and 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 it's asking the question of why are we using the trimbalone, right? Like, obviously for some people or for pretty much everyone, there is a performance benefit of having Trinin alongside the glucocorticoid receptor and, and along these lines. But even like mediating what we need to mediate with Trin at 200 milligrams is going to be more than enough and would probably <clears throat> be on the higher end of what I'd be willing to run with someone um, in order to create the effect that we need from the Trin 
Because like you said, like the needs for tissue retention within a contest prep are not overly that high. They're there and the end is probably where the highest dose will be hit as we accumulate up across the prep. But to be using a thousand milligrams of trinase just sounds horrendous from a side effect management standpoint. That's what I was going to say. Like you can imagine like the, the insomnia and the anxiety and just the, the overall feeling uh, would be, it would, it would make the preps suboptimal just from that. Cause I've, I've talked to other guys running like a gram of trend. They're like, it, it was terrible. Like I felt horrendous all day long and the aggression was bad, like controlling emotions. But I think the big thing is like on prep, we'd struggle with managing fatigue and your sleep is a huge tool in that. And you're um, severely cutting that down by using that much trimbalone to where if we're using trend for its muscle retention properties, but then you're not sleeping in turn, which is going to have probably even a greater impact, like it, <laughs> for retaining tissue and losing yeah. body fat that you're, you're, it's just completely at that point, you're reaching a far point of diminishing returns. Um, and, you know, with trend, you know, of course it, it probably does have some impact on uncoupling proteins and increasing, um, the effects of like your, your fat loss agents that you're using, but even within that degree, um, going beyond like, like a 200 milligram, uh, I, I just don't even see the, the rationale for it. Um, and then, you know, we see a thousand milligrams of Masteron. 700 milligrams of Primo in place, which th these are, it's kind of somewhat redundant compounds. Uh, when you do look at how we break down Masteron Primo, they're non aromatizing DHTs. I mean, it's, it's pretty nuanced. The, the differences you might have, some people might say a little bit more strength out of Masteron, but you really can't, there's, there's no evidence to say it. We don't have a head to head with Masteron Primo looking at these effects. So it's purely anecdotal, but off of like how I've deployed them, I can't tell much difference. Like I've used Masteron as a primary growth agent all off season. And um, I've used Primo before too. I, I really, really can't differentiate between the two. So uh, yeah. it's, you know, whatever your flavor. Um, but with that being said, like that would be the part of the cycle that I'm like, okay, this could be within reason. If yeah. the other stuff wasn't there, like <laughs> if we have you know, testosterone up to like, say the 500 milligram mark, Trimbalone is pulled back to this 200 mig mark. If you told me, hey, there's 1700 migs of like a master on Primo combo, I could say, okay. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's kind of where like, you know, I don't really have too much of an argument um, with the usage there other than the poor guy pinning a thousand milligrams of mass P per week. Cause the hip on that must be <laughs> horrendous. Um, Men's physique. So, I mean, you can go all glutes, I guess, but still <laughs> like, and quads. Oh, uh, but um, I think that brings us to the orals though. So like the VAR Winnie halo combo um, and like the necessity of that within a contest prep. Um, I've kind of gotten to the point where my oral deployments are strictly performance related, um, just from like understanding how we may be using this within a stack design. It's going to be within the last four to six weeks for most people and nine times out of 10, I'm going bar. 
And the reason being is because like we obviously have the burn patient data with Anavar about like the uh, regeneration of tissue within burn patients. We know anecdotally that it's going to help with performance in a pre-session setting. And in, to me, um, it fits the bill the most of any of the oral compounds that we have available for choice at the end of a contest prep. And then we're just kind of adding redundancy, in my opinion, with the, the Winnie and the Halo. Uh, I agree because, you know, I've, I've rotated through these like on an individual basis, like because I've done the cycle like for my my pro debut um, coming out of USA's, I had like every oral in place, VAR, Winstrol, Halo, Provirone. And I don't know what was doing what at that point. <laughs> you, eventually it's just everything's there and you're like, well, this is what you use when you're in prep and you get, and you this is the look. And so it's like, well, you don't want to remove something because that's what was there. But once you just like say, screw it, I just have to see what this really can do without with it less, then you realize that it is completely redundant. And you're also, you've, you've reached the limit of what you're requiring to retain tissue. And you can only use so much to get hard. I, that's why I hate the hardeners because we throw in all the hardeners like, oh, you just use Halo like three weeks out and you need to just use Winstraw X weeks out um, to get hard. It's like, how much of the hardener do you really need? Um, and it just doesn't bring about anymore because it really comes down to you just having to lose body fat. And there's, there's, there's not a magic of like, what is it thin your skin? Like, no, that's bullshit. Like it doesn't do that. Um, and, and then they're not great fat loss agents either. They're, they're reasonable, but if anything, we're just completely, we're offsetting androgen to estrogen ratio, maybe a little bit. Um, yep. but beyond that, it's managing like aldosterone and just getting peeled, you know, it's losing body fat. So it, um, you're just, if anything, you're creating a more toxic environment and you know, that the guy, when you just go on stage and you just have that inflamed and you're going to probably drive more water attention from using so much, so much compound. Yep. I agree. Um, and I think that when we look at like oral usage within the compounds that we're looking to drive fat loss, like the 80 micrograms of clean at the end of the prep, like no problem with that. Right. Like if that's where we escalate up to for a need within clenbuterol usage, you know, I probably would be running alongside it T3 where hopefully the clin wouldn't have to get up to 80 micrograms just to adjust for that thyroid adaptation across the prep. Um, but like you said, it's like, what are we actually gaining with Anavar winning Halo? And to me, not really a whole lot. Yeah. I didn't see in here either, like growth hormone. Um, I am. Maybe it just wasn't listed, but I mean, it's such an agent to help with synergy for your anabolic stack design, then also enhancing fat loss. So if the idea is like, hey, you want to get hard um, to have something that can couple well with all the other compounds, probably reduce your overall steroid load. That would be something that to, to put in place. Again, you just have to make the consideration for the amount you use and how much water retention it could be bringing. But again, using like an ARB in place to help mitigate some of that would be, would be a essential thing to have and have there. Is there anything else you have to add to this before we move on? Um, not, not really. I mean, I guess to touch on like, what is the upper limit of dosing 
Mm, because yeah. five grams, isn't it? <laughs> you know, um, I, I, you know, I, I would not be, if it's between 2000 and 3000 milligrams, I think that's the, that's the upper limit for what I would make consideration for what I've seen, like really large individuals even doing and guys that are in the upper echelon of competitiveness too. Yeah. But I will say there's guys in that segment that do take way less too. And, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a guarantee that that compound load is that high. I just think that there are people in order to be competitive that do run that upper limit at probably somewhere around that 25, 26 mark, kind of like right and smack dab in the middle, 25 to 27. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, let's let's do classic physique. Yes. Not the one that actually looked kind of decent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was one that was like, ah, this isn't too bad. But there is one that's kind of, uh, um, let me see. Where can we find it? Yeah, so this was, so test prop, 100 migs every other day. Yeah. Uh, trend enanthate, 250 migs per week. Trend ace, 100 milligrams every day. Master on P, 100 migs every day. 100 migs of Winstraw uh, daily. So, so to sum that up, you're looking at uh, 350 migs of tests a week, um, almost a grand, a thousand, thousand milligrams of trend, 700 migs of mast, and then oral dose total, 700 migs per week. And I, I think that's the thing about, you need to look at your orals on a weekly basis. I think that I, I, until I like, I don't know why, like I never even considered looking at them at that way. You just think of like, this is daily. You just take 10 milligrams. You don't think of it, how it adds up for your, your weekly total. Yeah. Um, and it, you should be considering it like that. So when you say 700 megs of, you know, winning, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. That really does add a, a big increase. And I think that's the thing of when we, you do add oral in, you need to think consideration for what your total dose already at and how much do you need to go beyond? Like if you're on, you know, say 500 megs of total anabolic load and you're adding 50 megs of Anavar a day, you know, you're, you're, you're close to like doubling your amount. Like, do you need to double the load? Like, probably not like, Hey, if you do 20 milligrams, that's another 140 megs a week on top of your 500. Like, yeah. okay, maybe that's a reasonable increase. Um, now, if you're someone that's on 2000 milligrams, what does that percentage look like? Well, that might be a little bit more, right? Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I think it's just the, these dosages are just thrown out. Like you just take 50 megs of Winstrol or 50 megs of Anabar. Like that's the standard starting point. And it shouldn't be the standard starting point for everyone. Yep, I agree. Uh, the The question that's going to get begged by the audience is like, what is the range then? Like, where is the start point, and then where is the high point? Right? Like, where do you see deployment at being beneficial? Um, and, and we probably should just use Anavar, right? Because we kind of walk the logic of why we would choose Anavar, but like the start point and the high point of that for for most people. Yeah, and so I know we're this was to touch on more like. In, high level advanced design, but I mean, you know, regardless, like from a, from a starting point, if, if you used, you almost wouldn't mean to use, use an oral in your first prep, <laughs> you really didn't want to, like yeah. you could, you could do just like 
testosterone and then even some Astron if you need to increase the anabolic load and also the muscle retention. But if you're seeing that slight performance detriment, 10 milligram of Anabar, I, I think would be a very reasonable because let's, mm. let's put, let's consider here. Let's say you had someone that was prepping, starting out 200 megs of testosterone, maybe hundred to 200 megs of Masteron. Say that's 300, 400 megs. Not, not without reason. I know I'm not full of shit. My first show was 400 megs of test and I used some Winstraw at the end. Um, so it can be done if someone can be willing to be patient but then with that, okay, how much more do you need to go? Well, what's 10 megs of our day, an extra 70 megs you, for someone that's brand new to this, like they're going to get a benefit out of it, you know, and that yeah. might be all that they need before you need to advance, but that's a reasonable percentage increase, right? Um, you might argue 20 megs. You're like, that's a female dose. It's like, well, in <laughs> when this stuff was deployed clinically, it, it wasn't differentiated between males and females but it was around a 20 milligram dose. Uh, and that is enough. Like in, we're looking at burn patients for like nitrogen retention. That's what are you trying to do here on prep? Yeah. Re just re retain muscle tissue. So that could easily be, you know, a starting point. So make consideration for that. Like if you have a beginner versus someone that's been doing this for 10 years and you know, if they're taking 50 milligrams of Anabar, should the beginner be taking 50 mg of Anavar? Like, how does that make any sense? It, sh it shouldn't, right? Because uh, when I say 10 milligrams, it makes me pause because it's like, well, that sounds really low. But it, for for when you look at someone across years of training and doing this, it it is more logical that way. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I agree, 100% agree. Um, and I think you'll what you'll find is even in the high risk model, if the model is designed fairly well. You probably don't ever even need to go above 30 for a lot of people um, on the Anavar in the high risk model for the, the larger individuals. Like, yes, it's a really low percentage of the total stack design within a high risk model. But if it's deployed in a manner that's meant for performance maintenance or performance retention towards the end of prep, typically that 30 megs is going to be enough to get the job done. No, I, I agree. I mean, you could you could argue going a little more, but again, like really beyond that, yeah, you're you're not going to see like the extra benefit. It's there's not some extra benefit that is pulling out, but within the cycle design, I mean, actually the the test is pretty reasonable here. Yeah, or I think this the test is reasonable. Um, I think again, it's just the ester conversation. Like, is it really necessary to use probe versus using an ethate or sipionate all the way through? Um, the trend is where I have the major issue with this. Yeah. A thousand milligrams of trend. Uh, it's just, <laughs> and that, you know, everyone's always like a thousand megs of trend. It's like a joke, but people are put on this. Yeah. Uh, I, I have personally never gone that high. Um, I did 600 megs and it was, it was just unsustainable, you know? Um, and I was starting to get it like, my, my nipples were like lactating. It was like, oh, oh, Lord. like uh, this whole, this estrogen prolactin mess. And it's like that. And that's when I like re-reduced trend that went away and, and I literally had no 
like detriment by the reduction as far as like, Oh, now I'm not losing body fat as much, or um, yeah. now I'm really losing muscle mass. Like it wasn't at all. The dosage was cut in half. Um, some, some masteron though was, was put in place there, but regardless, yeah, a thousand milligrams of trend, it just doesn't even need to happen. Um, and then you have 700 megs of masteron. So in, in this instance, I would shift that, you know, 800 milligrams of trend, just all into Masteron. So, you know, you run your 1500 megs of Masteron, 200 megs of trend, 350 megs of test. And then I think the Winstrol is still like overdone. 100 megs of Winstrol, just make the reduction. I'm sure I almost would guarantee there's still like an AI present. You know, we don't know, but likely there, there might've been. Yeah. But again, I like in that instance, I would still like make sure like to have growth hormone in place. Like some people like might not use clenbuterol, like if fat loss is moving around, moving well, but still clenbuterol has some muscle retention properties, but it's still a, a good fat loss agent as well, yeah. which, you know, you, you can just leverage multiple pathways to get the effect to where you're not having you so much just androgen steroid alone. And what I would add to is like the two things here. One, there's no reasonable logic for do, using two different esters of trin here either, like using a trini and a trinase. Um, yeah. I prefer staying with trinase from a control perspective, being able to titrate it up and down with a response a little bit faster. Um, but on the, let's just assume like an AI and a CERN was being used because a lot of times you see with these stack designs, like, dual usage AI CERM. And if we're doing that, not only are we running into the issue of crashing estrogen and not gaining the benefits of that, but we're also looking into interfering with growth hormone IGF-1 axis if there is growth hormone de deployed here as well. So um, just because that's a commonality across a lot of these stack designs that may not be here, it is worth touching on um, just as like an add-on piece too. Yeah, I mean, even for like in cattle, as like trend, trend still using like cattle as, as a growth promoter, but mm. they give estradiol with it because it doesn't have as nearly the growth promoting effect unless it has estrogen. So not that we are cattle, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it um, the point. Oh man. Yeah. And then another thing is like Trini I've have come across that being counterfeit as well. Yeah. Um, testy. Yeah. It's test testy and they like, kind of overcook it it kind of gets this like red tinge to it so that's usually why trinase i i do i do like more of the moderate esters for you know stable but again you also have to consider getting real yeah compounds so i would agree i would agree 100 i think that pretty much covers every aspect of this one yeah yeah i think so do you want to jump to open yeah let's do that this one's a good one. This one's a really good one. All right. So all daily dosing here. So 500 milligrams of testy per day, 216 milligrams of parabolin per day, 100 milligrams of D-ball, 100 milligrams of anadrol, 12 IUs of growth hormone. There was either Arimidex or Letrozole used, couldn't remember. Um, um, and that was 16 weeks out. <laughs> I was first looking at this. Like, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I was like, this that. has to like this has to be <laughs> off season, right? Like a hundred oh. megs of D ball. <laughs> oh, like oh, it's such such a bad. It, it's just it's just it's just ridiculous. Um, oh, horrendous. Three point five grams of test a week. Yes. Like that's that's already like beyond the load that we would even use total at a peak dose of all compounds. Um, <laughs> and then you have uh, 1,400, a little over 1,400, 1,500 parabolin. Yeah. And then, you know, and then we add up the orals for weekly 700 megs of D balls. Yeah. 1,400 megs of, of just total, total oral. oral dosing. Yeah. Three grams. Yeah. Well, that's, that's even, that's uh six grams, right? Or is that a little more than six grams? Something like that. Yeah. That takes the cake. I think this is the winner. It, it does. And you know, this was an open pro and to, to say like, this wasn't done. <laughs> you know, it, it was, which uh, I, I will say like this coach has still coached some like top 10 Olympians. So it, it could have been done by someone. But, but this was given to, person. yeah. But by this person, they're like, they saw this and like, this is just insane. Like, no way. Um, and this, it's, I can't even make sense of it. And I think with this one, with people that I know that might have actually done it, it's also people that usually don't come in in shape. Yep. Makes sense. Holding like a ton of water. So sorry guys, we can't like I don't want to divulge like what you know. But, <laughs> People are on the edge of right Yeah, I know. Like say it, just say it. I uh, can't. I won't I won't uh, uh, keep all this private, but anyway. Yeah, uh, it's just and, and so for where this individual was for that many years ago, like he's a he's advanced a lot since then. And has probably had one of the most productive growth seasons. And I would even say like with uh, like 25% of this, you know? <laughs> and so it just, that goes to say that this is like copy paste protocol of what this coach was doing back in the day of just like, yeah, just off 16 weeks out, we just throw like seven grams at you week one. That's just, I just can't even fathom it. Like what's yeah. the idea here? try to grow into the show or something. I, I mean, yeah. but how many shows are you going to be able to do that to barely make Man. it to the first one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So do, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, we've kind of gone over the issues with tests quite a few times, like obviously yeah. way too high. Um, bringing that even in the high risk model, bringing that down to an area where AI serum is not needed. Um, Probably worth touching on the letrozole in case that was the one that was used. We touched on kind of like AIs with ADEX slash Novodex, but um, thoughts, comments on letrozole usage, period. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's um, ex excessive. I mean, for one, for one we're, we're using models where we don't need to use AIs. Yeah. But then even with letrozole, I mean, you can really zero out someone's estrogen with really it. Quick. And that's not what we want. We, we absolutely want some estrogen pres present. So uh, it just doesn't need to, to be there at all. Um, you know, parabolin, 
that's it's it's trimbalone mm. uh trin hex it's a, just a different ester people speak on on parabolin like it was something completely different than the trimbalone acetate which trimbalone's trimbalone uh, i mean back then it was there was a, a stint where it was farm grade potentially they had just good you know good quality yep but it's still trend so we're saying 1400 megs of trim per week again excessive we touched on it i think yeah. the one that's pretty unique here that we well actually two that we haven't really addressed is the uh dianabol and anadrol usage together yeah which i mean uh talk about liver killer but dianabol i just see it having zero place in bodybuilding i agree i was going to say all season or contest prep like it doesn't matter like not having a place within the stack design to influence it in a net positive. Yeah, you're just you're looking at um, you know a testosterone derivative that still aromatizes, but to a very strong form of estrogen that causes a ton of water retention. So, off the start of a prep, you're going to have someone that's going to bring about a lot of water. I um, mean, you're like, oh, well, you're using an AI, and even with Dianabol, like it's it's still going to be impactful what the other drugs you're using with with aldosterone rise you, you'll still be a balloon so when then with that being said like right off the bat that much dianabol it's fairly heavily liver toxic combined with the anadrol which anadrol is has likely an impact on the estrogen receptor itself as we know it doesn't bind really strongly to the androgen receptor so that is just a combination to be just a watery mess. Um, and it really makes the assessment for, are you losing body fat or not off the, off the front end of prep, you know, hard, hard to gauge. Yeah. I was going to say it's a dual issue of assessment and health management, right? Because yeah, it's reckless body fluid, like, uh, or net influence on, on, like the estradiol slash estrogen receptors, we're going to see such a large increase in blood pressure as well. That is going to be just absolutely impossible to control, especially at dosing like this, right? Like, um, and within a contest prep, like we typically should be seeing this blood pressure trend move down. So we wouldn't towards like a better level or like hopefully staying in a good, if you're doing a good job managing it in the off season, where, you know, this is going to be just extremely detrimental and it takes it out of the confines of high risk and almost, in my opinion, just idiocracy, just to be real. Yeah, it's like, well, hey, you're using some Dianabol and Androl. Like, can that serve as your, your estrogen? <laughs> <laughs> I know that just sounds funny to say. Someone might say that. I, I don't know. But... For one, Dianabol, it actually has some pretty strong action with the glucocorticoid receptor. And there was um, a, a neurotoxic study done with Dianabol comparing even to Nangelone and testosterone. It was by far the most neurotoxic compound to use. So we were thinking, hey, you want amount of estrogen present to be protective for the brain and the heart. Dianabol, just, just that compound alone is extremely neurotoxic. So say like, oh, I'm going to take Dianabol to gain my estrogen to have the, these other benefits. It, you're having a lot of negative benefits. And so in the type of estrogen that's being presented, it's not the same that you'd get physiologically from testosterone. So it's, there's not even, it's not even a, a conversation to be had there. 
Um, there's also the 12 I use a GH. Yep. Which I uh, uh, think that that's, you know, a little bit out of the out of the confines of effective use of growth hormone as far as like the total dose. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think yeah. once six I use is kind of the limit, maybe eight, but really beyond eight, I just see more side effects crop up. And I yeah. was even consulting with someone not too recently running pretty close to that. And just got to a point where like, you know, pumps are gone. The insulin um, resistance is so present that everything's just getting like the, the, the fat gain that he was, it was an off season, but the fat gain that was occurring, like at a substantial rate, but, but for the purpose of contest prep, it's uh, would really be defeating the purpose of what you would want with that much side effect being present. So yeah, I think that's uh, probably double beyond what you want there. Absolutely. And then again, just net influence on RAS to like just assessment, right? Like that's just another main issue on that much usage. So a lot wrong here. Like, Jesus, there's not even a DHT. Like there's not even a master runner primo in the stack design. So um, I would imagine that in order to just manage this, there was probably letrozole in or high dosing of ADEX, right? Like probably, and I've seen this come across my table and others like six, seven MIGs a week, not totally uncommon was set up like this probably. Yeah. You know, if you ran, if you ran something like that, you would, you absolutely blow up and you feel super round and full. And I think that that effect would get masked of like, man, I, that was my, my best cycle. I was the biggest I've ever been, the strongest I've ever been. And don't get me wrong. You probably would be a bull in the gym, but um, it's it just completely unsustainable because it's going to drop off. Like all that's going to drop off. You cannot hold that. Um, and it's a ton of water, right? So that roundness and fullness, like it, it's, it's just not going to stick around. And even nope. like close to the show, it can mess with a lot of people's heads because you're going to have to pull that out or you're not going to be hard you're, uh, with that much water retention presence. And it's going to go, this is going beyond what you can even manage with like an ARB. So with when you pull that out like prepare to be to have like a huge drop in what you anticipate your stage weight to be which a lot of guys big guys open guys have issue with because they want a certain body weight or even super heavyweights right and be like hey you're gonna have like 15 pounds of water that needs to come off you're like what no that's all my uh, that's my stage weight you keep you keep it in place (laughs) and then you're just not in shape and how many super heavyweights have we seen that just aren't in shape or think about some really big round open guys that aren't like peeled out hard. Yep. Think about years where you see those same guys come back. They're down 10, 15 pounds and they're actually in shape now. It's probably, probably better stack design. Yep. Absolutely. And the, the crazy thing is like the whole reason that we're doing this is just the education around making better decisions within your stack designs for for not only the health considerations that we're mentioning but the outcome results too like i think this is such a large portion that you know when we talk about the models that we're running is is not overly discussed a whole lot like we talk about it this way because the outcome on stage is a look that if they get peeled out shredded and the prep is ran well it is leagues above anything else when we talk about like using the stack design to help with modifying the look 
And this is kind of where, you know, fuck, this is like a prophylactic resistant uh, stack design, but using all of these different pathways in order to mediate the outcome that we want is for not only the health considerations that we talk about, but it's for the outcome. It's for the look on stage. It is going to be granite hard and be able to be presented fairly predictably with the peaking protocols that we're using and the peaking models that we're using that allows people to at one week out, they look like they could go walk out on stage. Right. And that's where, you know, when we talk about this, like we make a lot of comments about the issues from a health perspective, but it's also from a presentation perspective of being able to nail it on stage as well. Yeah. Mike, I, I second that. I mean, just accurately assessing along the way of prep using what you need to retain tissue, push it up higher in the off season when you actually need to grow and not trying to like grow into your show. And, uh, just, uh, again, it's not, it's not going to, it doesn't have the long haul in mind when you have someone that's early twenties, just starting out here, you're like, Hey, you might be doing this to your 35. Like that's a long time. You know, I, I could see a little bit more of accelerated if you're getting into this later and you haven't had that exposure yet. Like you're getting into this, you're 30 and you know, like, Hey, I'm only going to be doing this to mid thirties. Like, Hey, this is only going to be seven, eight years we might have a little bit more of an accelerated model, but for someone that's coming into this early twenties, yeah, you have, you have a long time ahead to really pull out a lot from just experience, training, nutrition, before you're having to pull every single lever for getting these to these maximum dosages that need to be utilized. Um, I think if you use these off the bat, you're going to be in a point where they masked nutrition and training experience that you should have been learning along the way to get the most out of those variables to where you have some, a real physique that would stand when you are making changes and pulling back PEDs during holding phases. And it's not just everything's dropping off because you didn't learn to train and actually diet. That's why I almost think everyone should have to do a natural show first. (laughs) So you actually know what that experience is like and you can't mask it with PEDs. Yep. 100%. I did it four times. You were longer than most. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty good kind of overview. I think a lot of this we dive really deep to not only within like the J3U course, but, you know, in the forums as well with answering people's questions. And um, like we said, like it's not only a health outcomes consideration, like you said, if we're doing it for 25 to 35, but how are we bringing people into the stage? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a large, large factor in making that predictable. Um, you want to look at the last? Oh, product? I forget we have. Yeah. yeah. I think this is a good one because this will end with, it's a classic physique pro. Um, and, you know, I, I realized, Luke, he was saying that he said no AI needed at the moment. So this is actually what he's doing. currently doing. Yeah. And again, classic physique pro. Um, we won't divulge like where he's at and what, what level, but regardless, it's not an easy task to become a classic physique pro now. It's an extremely popular division. And I think this, this stack design, um, it's neither one of Luke's clients. I think he must follow something along us because it's yeah. within reason, you know, and this might give you an idea of something that's upper level and reasonably designed. So, yeah, I agree 100%. You want to read it out or you want me to do I'll do it. Okay. 
<laughs> per week, we have 500 milligrams of test tipping A, uh, 400 milligrams of mast E, 900 milligrams of Primo E, 50 megs of Anadrol on training days, um, three IUs AMP and of growth, so six IUs total, um, 500 milligrams of metformin AMPM, and as mentioned before, no AI currently needed. Yeah, so I mean, the design fits pretty close to what we need. Um, as far as like testosterone is concerned, we have it pretty close to what would be manageable. And without an AI, you, you mentioned it earlier, like 500 milligram. So, and then making up the rest of the anabolic load with yep. DHT. So mm -hmm. around, we have 1300 milligram. There's no trimbalone in place. So, Obviously, for within his contest prep needs, he doesn't need to go there just yet, right? Yep. Um, the anadrol is one that's on the edge for me. <laughs> I agree. I could understand like rationale there is like, hey, I'm going to take this as a probably performance benefit, and maybe the idea is like I'm going to hold fullness taking this. I mean, what what does anadrol bring? Yeah, it could bring some, some maybe a little bit more water retention potentially that's going to be happen yeah probably you know partitioning some glycogen loading with with what we know about if it's if it does act more so on the estrogen receptor it does have an impact on glycogen mm. but again it's like if we if we want to is that bringing anything to us for muscle retention what we need out of training from a bodybuilding perspective probably not probably I mean, not you know i think if you do for what I consider anadrol might be the last few days if you're peeled to the bone to bring bring the fullness, but you just have to be aware there might be a little bit of water retention that comes with it, but that's that could be the trade-off. But to do something like that all prep long, um, it, uh, it it's going to present more stress to like liver, your lipids that I think we don't need present, and I don't think it's adding probably a lot to, to benefit there. The comment I was going to make on the anadrol is the fact that trimbolone is not in means that the anadrol usage is probably longer term and would be the main issue that I would have with oh, it. Oh, yeah, you know, that's a great point. It's usually a tail end of prep you're seeing trend in place. So this mm -hmm. is probably before that's that's present. So, yeah. Um, and then, so. yeah, so like, yeah, I, I would just pull, pull the anadrol. Um, yeah, and that'd be the only modification for me. Really, maybe yeah, add yeah. Tartan or depending on blood pressure and just at least 20 milligrams for the modulation. But um, other than that, yeah, through I use a growth AM PM, like that's that's within reason. 500 megs of metformin AM and PM. I, I usually there's instances where I go to a thousand milligrams, but just for what we need to bring the health benefits of metformin, 500 milligrams is, is enough. And uh, for being in a contest prep, like you're going to have someone that's getting insulin sensitive anyway. So I, I, I don't think we need that thousand milligrams. So you kind of wonder at that point about, you know, how much GI distress might be occurring and, and just uh, more isn't always better. So Agreed. With, with that, but overall, I think it's pretty reasonable. Yeah, 100%. I think that's probably the closest one to, to landing the plane that we saw. Um, yeah. I think you know, very minimal breakdown there, but I think this is really good. I think this is just to kind of start to put information out there on 
you know, if you if you are suggested this or you come across this, like, you know, you might want to raise your red flag and, and wave it, right? Yeah. Like um, there's a better way to do it, not only from a health perspective, but from an outcome perspective too. That is the whole reason why we're here talking about this. So yeah, you know, don't take this as thinking of like, okay, John and Luke gave us like the upper limit, two to three grams. Let's All right. <laughs> I'm good to go for two to three grams. It's like this, this is when you're getting close to that ceiling point. And so this is probably, honestly, this is probably like five years in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Within, you know, at minimum, you have a few natural years, you have some levels like where you're just getting into you know, testosterone and some DHT baselines, and then you're escalating up. And that's probably at that five-year mark, you're probably touching into these dosages if you need that. And that should be like, once you're reaching probably closer to a high level potential, And then from that point on, you can still keep using dosages around this, but it's going to be creeping progress. And you have a, 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 you know, a timeline that's going to be shortening for how long you can do it for. So if you get to that five year part and you're still like second call out nationals, that would be my decision to really think on what you're doing here. Because if, you know, if you love it, so be it, but you're running real high risk towards, health detriments that are, are not going to be, if they occur, just they're accumulating, they're occurring. You have to really weigh out those risks and, and make that call. Now, if you're someone that, Hey, this has led you to be a pro you're top five winning close to pro shows. You might be getting able to go to the Olympia. I could make the understandable point of that. You're going to be accepting that risk and doing this for a longer duration, potentially, because, because of what it is, but for a lot of guys, they're using this and more and not at that level. And that's when I would say you should probably be making the choice to pursue other things, put your time in other things that are going to be more productive in your life. And uh, this is such a huge time commitment and to put that much into bodybuilding and have that much health detriment and have it take you away from something that could be building your life in other ways. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know? So I agree 100% on board with those statements. So, uh, I think that's it. Yeah. That was a really good episode. I really, yeah. that kind of lays out, you know, call it myth busting, call it whatever you want, but at least some sort of logical, like, Hey, like this is wrong or this is not good. Or this is why we wouldn't do this to at least start to push people in the direction of like, Hey, surprisingly, we did not see EQ on any of these. <laughs> no, that is true. But stay away. Like, obviously, like, not clinically approved, a couple other things. So um, from a health considerations that we wouldn't see just because the detriment it brings. And the benefit that it brings to the table, we can modulate via other other ways. So um, just would say no in general. And Just say no. <laughs> wrap it up in a bow. Kind of like uh, when you're in school and they do like the little red ribbons for like, just say no to drugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody, if, if, if you're watching on YouTube, if you have comments, questions, Liam below and Luke and I can address those for you. If you yeah. want to learn deeper on PDs, uh, I've updated a lot of the PD module mm. to have a great flow to it and go over periodization of PDs to this higher level. So cover that really in depth, but anyway, buddy, appreciate you tuning in and we will talk to you next time.